that's been really what's helped us grow because I couldn't imagine like 2021 like all right see a corporate world you know I'm starting a cookie company it's like man I would you know be starving right you know it's a it's a hard endeavor when you don't have capital you know influence or anything kind of backing you you really just have to prove your concept build a client base build you know some sort of marketing structure with along with a sales structure um to really grow revenue especially when you're an at-home business especially cookies like what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of the thinking project podcast of course this is your host dalton jensen make sure that you subscribe share this with your friends all that good stuff because i have an amazing guest for you today and before i roll into that this podcast isn't sponsored by anybody but if you want to support the show make sure you share it and if you're in sales or you're a business owner wanting to do a podcast let me produce it for you I have a sales mastermind group and I have a podcast production agency local here in Utah where we can get in the studio, all that good stuff. Everything that I'm talking about right now is going to be in the link below. But today I have an amazing guest, Grayson Hogard, who is the owner of a cookie company, very similar to Dirty Dough, except he has an amazing story of being an entrepreneur simultaneous with a job starting a business with his wife anyway it was an incredible interview i really hope you guys enjoy it i'm looking forward to it and with all that being said thank you so much for tuning in and i'll see you on the other side grayson hogard thanks for joining me my friend thank you dalton um it's an honor <laughs> Dude, yes. I love following you on LinkedIn, especially another person in the cookie world. Uh, Groove Cookie <laughs> Company up in Portland. How is that? Yeah. Um, it's great. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a small cookie market, believe it or not. And um, yeah. yeah, we're just, uh, we're in a suburb outside of Portland, actually, in uh, Beaverton. So kind of close to like the Nike World headquarters yes. and and all that stuff. So yeah, I know Beaverton. Well, my, I lived oh. in Portland for a while, okay. for about a year and a half. Okay. And I had aunts who lived in Tigard. We did stuff in Beaverton all the time. So I love yeah. the Portland area. Um, here's a, yeah. a question right off the bat to get, to get the podcast going. You know, you're, you're big into the mindset into marketing. How has owning Groove Cookie Company helped improve your mindset or change your mindset overall? Maybe it's in business. Maybe you started your company and you, and you had some philosophical revelations. Walk us through that journey. Well, <laughs> I would, um, like even before it's Grove cookie company, sorry. <laughs> oh, Grove, Grove, Grove cookie, cookie company. Sorry. Do not, do not worry. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, um, my, my mindset, so I come obviously from the corporate world, like that's just my background, you know, I'm 33. Uh, I don't, I actually don't even think I had a mindset on entrepreneurship, if that is answering your question, right? Like this is all new to me. So my, this is my first time entrepreneur two years ago, actually January 31st was when we launched from our house. So um, I've just been on this wave of learning. Um, from, you know, just other entrepreneurs, podcasts, 
mentorships, um, you know, smaller masterminds, you know, all kind of like Facebook group oriented, but yeah, that it, it it's needed for sure. The mindset side of things, um, because it, it it's just, uh, it's a different beast when you're kind of on your own. Right. Yeah. And I've shared this statistic before that entrepreneurs who launch their journey after spending a significant of time in the corporate world or like in business themselves, and then they take it right. And then they go launch, end up doing a lot better than somebody who says like, you know, high school dropout, college dropout, not that those businesses don't end up successful uh, or anything like that. It's like, when you look at the numbers, right. People who have that, have that corporate experience tend to do a little bit better. Right. So do you feel like that, do you feel like that's been the case for you? Like what made you want to jump from corporate to Grove cookie? Well, um, it's, it, it, per, it perfectly aligned with what we are, right? We're a B2B gifting company with cookies. Um, my background's in logistics and warehousing. So um, just kind of that firsthand experience with packaging, shipping, logistics, kind of the ins and outs of what happens, you know, from, you know, time of order to the process side of things. So like that whole systems and processes aspect, I could not imagine trying to do this at like 20 years old, 21 and like, all right, I'm going to try and figure out how to, you know, package cookies so they don't break or, um, you know, figure out systems and processes without having that corporate experience and that structure. Right. So that's been huge. I love that. And I love that you mentioned, cause that stuff's, you know, I learned about that a lot of that in my MBA, right? Like supply chain and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's gnarly. Like that's not for the faint of heart. It, it doesn't surprise me that supply chain is, is losing like people entering the field because it's not an easy field to be in. No, it's not. And um, yeah. So this is actually a little quirk that I don't think a lot of people on LinkedIn know is I still have my corporate job. Oh, cool. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm, um, Hey, I'm really that's even to, cooler. Yeah. So I'm actually able to kind of like navigate this whole entrepreneurial journey, um, with my other occupant, you know, with my current corporate employers. So, yeah. So, you, um, so you have like, your corporate, so you have your corporate employee and then your side gig. Yeah. Oh, they're both yeah, full gigs. Could be. They're both full gigs at this point. Cause I'm, <laughs> I'm here at the cookie shop office. I'm literally oh, in the cookie yeah. shop office. Oh, heck computers yeah. right here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're just, you know, we're having fun with it. So, you know, I'm able to do both. Um, and, you know, really just kind of grow, grow cookie company from our house, which we just moved mm-hmm. out of our house into the shop back in September of 2022. So, um, whoa. Yeah. That, yeah. That's awesome. So, so, <laughs> I, <right>? so. <laughs> That's cool. Break that down for me, man. How did that happen? Yeah. So I'll just go back to the beginning. So like we launched in January of 2021, um, end of January, January 31st, 2021, uh, all on the idea um, that my wife wanted like a side hustle. (laughs) And um, you know what? Cookies happened only because she had in back in 2020 of November. So that Christmas. Um, her dad asked her to bake, um, some, some cupcakes that he like just was fond of. My wife has no prior baking experience, does not like to cook, 
all the things that would say, yeah, you're not a baker. She got like this reaction from her dad after she made the cupcakes, like, oh my gosh, honey, these are so great. Like, good job. So she got like this positive reinforcement. And then uh, she was working from home at the time, right? Because of the whole lockdown stuff. And um, she came home from her dad's birthday and was like, I think I want to like try and make cookies or, you know, just another type of bakery dessert. So she made these cookies, the same cookies we have today. And um, I've just been a cookie snob, if you will. I just like soft cookies. Like I think just soft cookies are the best cookies, period. And um, she made these cookies that we still have today. And I was like, wow, these are like soft from crust to middle. And there's no like crunchy to soft. It's just all the same. So uh, we let those cookies kind of play out uh, in over Christmas in 2021. 2020, excuse me. And um, yeah, January of 2021, she's like, I think we should start selling these. And I was like, let's do it. So over the weekend, I um, got our LLC, our website, our logo, our EIN number, you know, really all those like things you need to have when you start out a business. Uh And I feel like a lot of people don't get that started beforehand. They start a business (laughs) and then they're like trying to backtrack. So, uh, yes, we had, you know, business checking. And like I said, January 31st, we launched and, um, yeah, it's been a fun ride. That's crazy, man. I love that. That's a lot. And you know what? That's the experience of a lot of people. I think, um, when you're talking about starting a business, you, you get into the hustle culture of people trying to tell you to start a business you know, just quit everything, like burn the boats. Right. And I've never been a huge fan of that because I feel like you can do both. And I feel like you can do both very well, right? Like a lot of people are, I mean, most companies now are very supportive of side gigs. Um, Most companies are, you know, they're like, you know, you give us this time, whatever you do outside of that is up to you. Right. And uh, it gives you the security to like, it gives you the security to like fail, right? Like, and I don't mean like everybody fails, but like, it's kind of nice to be like, not everything is riding on this one decision, right? Like we have time to like work through that. That's been my experience. Like, cause I have a full-time job. I have a side gig and it's just nice to be able to like, have that kind of like in the back of your head, like I can make this, I can take this huge risk. And if it pays off sweet, if it doesn't, then I'm like, all right, back to the drawing board. I'm not like, losing everything, right? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And that's um, that's been really what's helped us grow because I couldn't imagine like 2021, like, all right, see a corporate world. You know, I'm starting a cookie company. It's like, man, I would, you know, be starving, right? You know, it's a, it's a hard endeavor when you don't have capital, you know, influence or anything kind of backing you. You really just have to prove your concept, build a client base, build, you know, some sort of marketing structure with along with a sales structure um, to really grow revenue, especially when you're an at-home business, especially cookies. Like um, it's one thing if you're selling kind of like a, a physical product, you know, we're, we're selling a consumable to, well, businesses and wealth advisors primarily. So it's, yeah, it's, it's really, it's been a blessing for sure. Yeah. And, and I feel like a lot of people don't, you know, they're not, they're not, uh, privy to that knowledge that like you should, you know, like you should do a lot of things, you know, you should try a lot of things, but it's okay to like, 
you know, have a job. I just don't, you know what I mean? Because it makes you think about why you get into entrepreneurship, like to begin with, like why you start a side gig or anything like that. Like, because I, because I do a scholarship in my high school and I asked them that I'm like, why do you even want to start your own business? Because if you think that, like, if you listen to the hustle culture, that's like, start your own business. So you don't have to, you know, make somebody else money. It's like, uh, I get, I get that. But like the idea of business is to create value all around. And sometimes that includes wealth for 100%. other people. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, mm, yeah, you are, you are though, you know, it's just weird. It's a weird yeah. dynamic when I dive into that culture. It is, it is a weird dynamic. You know, I've been, that's just the beauty of the internet is like, there's just so many, I wouldn't call it characters, but there's characters you can follow that kind of align with your mindset. Right. So there are the people that say burn the boats. There's also people that are like, hey, like work your side gig until it's like 60% of your current income. And then like, you know, now you can start, you know, deciding when that next step is, you know, leaving your corporate job mm-hmm. or focusing on your side gig full time. So, yeah. Yeah. I myself and I would even say, I would even say like when, you know, whenever I'm asked and it's not a ton, like I'm not one of those people. <laughs> Every time I, you know, I've asked all the time, every once in a while it gets caught up, brought up in my conversation, right? That's like, uh, how do you know when to like take your side gig full time? And for me, the answer is always like, when you're, when you're at least at like, when it can, when the, when your side hustle can maintain itself. Cause you know, the beginning of a side hustle, it's usually a lot of like personal capital that goes into it. And so I'm always like, you can, I'm like, you can jump when your side hustle can take care of itself, like run by itself, like, and I mean like money, like you're getting enough money in and the money going out, like the, the, the side hustle is like sustaining itself because if you're doing anything before that, I think it's just like, why, like you don't have, if you don't have to, then. Yeah. You're putting yourself at, (laughs) like you said, kind of at the beginning is you're just putting yourself at a higher risk. Um, you know, not everyone's successful and it's, and it's a great opportunity to like, see if your idea, cause that's all these are is like your idea. Um, and see if it works, see if you can find, um, a niche that allows you to expand on it. So, yeah, so we're, we're, um, we're actually a self-sustaining side hustle, believe it or not. That, so that's perfect. That's it's great. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Even with our, um, yeah, even with all the capital, expenditures to like build out our shop and everything like we almost we were we almost broke even on the year so you know that's wonderful build out yeah like yeah so we're doing really we're just really happy with our progress right now but and and you know what's crazy up dirty dough. that's all right man that's all right dirty dough's going nuts um <laughs> but you know what's crazy is you know, just to, just to stay on, you know, your company Grove, right? Grove cookies. I think it's wild to me. And you know, what's crazy. I hope that people kind of realize this in this crazy, you know, every day you open up LinkedIn, it's like one more company's laying somebody off. And, and it's super, it's super sad, but I hope people kind of see the, the thing behind this, which is like, you know, Stripe, I just read this in the news that Stripe was like on this you know, multi-billion dollar valuation when they were getting funding and then their funding pulled out and now they're looking at a 12 month exit and Stripe for as big and as they are still isn't self-sufficient, right? Like that's great. Like you, you can't, it's just not sustainable. Like I've, you've never heard of Walmart raising around a funding this year. 
because eventually you have to get to the point of like where where Grove Cookies is at, right? Where you can be like, nope, this is actually this is a this is a well oiled machine, and we're going to keep going, and it's going to keep going, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just hope that people see that like it's not this whole like you can't live funding the funding. It's like it's like the the hustle culture is like makes fun of me for living weekend to weekend, but you got you know, but some of these guys live funding to funding, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's <laughs> the tech industry. I feel like for the most part, you know, it's kind of like that Wild. valuation, the, the hope and the dream. Um, and then they throw on their X multiple valuations on top of it. So yeah, that's Crazy. yeah. Isn't it, isn't it wild? But you know, I kind of want to circle yeah. back to this question cause I'm just really in- intrigued. Do you feel like anything changed with your mindset when you started Grove cookie, like as you went through it, like did like did what, what changed in your thought process about business when you, when you started the the gig versus maybe when you didn't have it, things like that. Yeah. Like I can think of myself, uh, obviously I'm still in it, but from like a corporate employee, like standpoint, right. You're kind of, if you're not in like a sales role, which I'm not, um, you know, you're kind of capped at like a set, you know, wage salary right so one of the fun mindset ideas that i've like really evolved with is knowing that i'm worth more than what my company is paying me if that makes sense (laughs) oh i just i love that yeah so um there's you know who bradley is yeah of course love bradley's podcast Yeah, yeah yeah we love him i love him too um he, he, uh, he had a great quote, which is like, know your self-worth. Like, if you think you're worth more than what your company's paying for you, go prove it. And, um, that, that's one of like the mindsets that like really stuck with me and like really just what motivates me, especially in this like field that we're in, in the B2B gifting space. Like, like I said, I don't have a sales background. I don't have a marketing background. What I do think I have is like the grit and determination to like prove that I'm, you know, worth X salary, right. That I'm being paid right now. So, um, th- that's like a weird, very two year mindset change. Right. Cause at first I was like corporate ladder, here we go. You know, I've been in the same company for 12 years and I'm like corporate ladder, this is fun. You know, like I'm going to keep moving my way up, moving my way up. And now I'm at this point where I'm like, I don't have a cap. There's no one telling me I have a cap. Like yeah. all I need to do is continue to execute. So yeah, it's, that's a cool, it's a cool mindset shift. That is a cool mindset shift because, and you know, what's cool about that? Well, you were, you were saying that I was thinking, um, because you're like, you don't have a sales marketing background, but what's cool about this and what I teach people in my sales mastermind is you don't like it. You don't need, like, there's no prerequisite to selling and marketing. Like I, I think like I've been in sales and marketing for over a decade, sales more than marketing, but I, there's no need for a sales degree. Like I, there's a few colleges here in Utah that offer like a professional sales degree. I'm like, it's, it's a waste of, in my opinion, it's a waste of money because like you just need to sell. Like you don't, there's no prerequisite. Like if you believe in your product enough and you know the space, like the B2B gifting space, like I don't need to teach you band questions or anything like that. You go find who you need to talk to and you're like, Hey, I want it. I want you and and it's real simple. Like you got into it for a reason. You're like, Hey, Mr. Wealth manager manager. I want you to have happier customers. Give them a cookie. 
that there's no sales book in the world that will teach you that, but you have it like no. innately, like we have it as human beings. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's, it's like, um, I think sales and marketing really kind of, uh, drives on like someone's creativity. I mean, I follow a yeah. lot of like sales professionals on LinkedIn, right. And a lot of like the technology space, you know, the enterprise sales professionals and like hearing about them is like, it's all about creativity, you know, bringing the client from point A to the long point B of like an enterprise sale, like sales cycle. Right. So that's not probably the best part about me or just my experience so far in the last two years is like, I'm just always learning. And LinkedIn is like the greatest tool ever for that kind of perspective on sales and marketing. Cause again, I'm just always trying to learn from others. Yeah, and that's and how, it's, it's all right there for you. And that's how to do it. I mean, I, I, I understand like a marketing degree. Like I understand that maybe I, I don't know enough about marketing to say whether or not you need it. Because when I look at marketing and I look at all of like the technical, like digital side of it, I'm like, yeah, I could see why you might want a certificate, right? Somebody to teach you, help you cut corners, but sales, dude, no way. Just, you just do what Grayson does. Go do what you do. Go follow five, go do 10 follow. You know what I mean? Cause you do it. That's great. That's what I did. I picked up every book that I could find on Amazon that had the words, how to sell better. If it had anything like that, I read it and that was it. And like, and if you really believe like as a salesperson and as a trainer, I really believe this. And if you really believe that people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Simon Sinek said that. And if you, and if you believe that people buy you, then where, where is your personality and all your experiences written down in a college textbook? Like it's not go, yeah. but go be you, man. People yeah. get it. Um, <laughs> yeah. People, people do. I mean, you're dealing with human you're dealing with, other yeah. humans, right. Yeah. It's all sales it is marketing. You know, it's yeah. learning, I think, understanding that human behavior. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing that I, my biggest hot take that nobody agrees with me on, or at least a very small minority agree with me on is like, I don't really believe that you should sell to everybody that you should close a hundred percent. Like, dude, there's some people I don't want to work with. And if I lost a deal because I didn't ask the right question or somebody didn't feel like I was a good salesperson enough, you know what I mean? I probably didn't need you as a client anyway. Like I'm okay. You know what I mean? Like, sure, I dude. could not agree more with that. Like, <laughs> like why would I want... Why would I want someone that's going to make my life harder already based off like a conversation like that? Yeah. Um, and then now you have to, you know, now you're servicing, you know, you're trying to meet this client's expectations, but if it's already in a position where you're already feeling off about it, it's like, yeah. man, some of the, you know, that can just lead to a bigger mess down the road. So you're right. Right. I, I right. agree with it. 110%. And and, uh, I know, and, and, uh, I, I, dude, I love having this conversation with you because I just get to pick up all of these crazy things because it's so, it's so refreshing to talk to somebody who found a lot of success in, in a business because right, like the, the lifeblood of business is sales, like being able to sell your product. Right. And to talk to business owners who don't have that background of selling, it's very refreshing because it just proves my point that I try to sell in my mastermind group, which is it's okay that you're not like this salesperson. I don't, I actually don't want to hire salespeople. Like I ask a question in my interview process. That's like, um, would you consider yourself a salesperson? And if somebody says yes, 
I'm a, I'm a, I always dig a little bit deeper because that's all, that's a little bit to me. Like, mm, I don't want salespeople though. Right. I want, I want people. <laughs> I want to know like, yeah. You want, like, yeah. Yeah. You want people that can become salespeople in my eyes, right? Like you want someone that's a personable, uh, has the best interest in the customer or clients. I mean, that's all it, all it really is because there's nothing worse than, selling someone on something and then in a week they're like hey can i get a refund like that's just terrible because you you right got them in a pretzel and then you like force sold them on something and they just say yeah it's just I've yeah because you tried all your before. yeah because you tried all the cool techniques that the new and upcoming sales leader said and you're like dude stop it look if somebody i always tell people look if i, I love to joke and laugh in, in a sales conversation and if i can get someone to loosen up and laughing with me and some people are like well what about the people who are more professional i go dude if they don't laugh with me then it's fine right like i like if they feel like they can't do business with me because i'm too le like i bring too much levity to the conversation that's fine man i'm cool like i'm good with it it's all right yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I totally agree. <laughs> I think my I think my favorite sales books are ones that are not even about sales. They're about like human nature. So anyway, I like give those. me one. What is it? What's one? The forty the, the forty eight laws of power. I think every I think if you want to learn about sales, you should read that book by Robert Greene. Perfect. That's written that's, down. That's, that means I have to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's one that people don't like, but, um, if you ever listen to Robert Greene talk about why he wrote the book, um, it's actually a very human book to write that, that was written. Anyway, it was a very cool book, but this yeah. is a, this is about you, Grayson. I love that mindset that you brought up though. Cause I think that if more people had that, you know, I, I was on a podcast <clears throat> with a, with a big Twitter, uh, personality, JK Molina. He mentioned, a quote that was like confidence comes from experience. And so the fact that you, you know, the more, the more that you sell, the more that you're like, man, I can actually do this. The more confidence you have because you've executed. And so the fact that you can grow from that and just be like, yeah, you know what? I am worth more than even I thought I was like, like forget corporate and everybody. Right. Like I am worth yeah. more than I thought I was. Yeah. That's I mean, that, cool. that, that is exactly how that kind of has played out in my mind. <laughs> I mean, it motivates me every day, right? Like I, yeah, yeah, definitely motivates me in that aspect. But you talked about earlier sales calls versus like, say now, like now I'm definitely have more of like a script, you know, like I'm like kind of, it's not really a script. It's just bullet points that I'm just kind of like, you know, keep me consistent. Right. Uh, my first sales calls are so funny. Thankfully, HubSpot, our CRM, like records them. So I actually got to listen to them. They were really funny. So they were back, you know, right when I first started picking up the phone. So it was funny. What that and see, that's crazy because if you talk to a seasoned salesperson, like a veteran salesperson, and you see them on the, all the time on LinkedIn, Grace, and they're like, cold calling never works. And think about planting that evil thought into a new sales into a new business person said that like you should never call somebody on the phone like are you kidding me just call somebody on the phone man just pick up the I, phone you know <laughs> i don't i don't understand why I, I don't understand why anyone would say that 
I mean, unless they're calling, unless they're being told to call like the worst, you know, ideal client profile ever, um, that makes it, that makes it obviously very tough. And if you sell a product that is not a good product, um, I, I'm obviously thankful that I have cookies, right? I say cookies at the beginning of the cold call and most people are listening at that point. And especially, you know, I'm not calling, I don't particularly call the wealth advisors like straight up because I just know they're busy and that's not necessarily the person that dictates gifting in general. Um, it's more of that, it's the front end staff, right? So the front front desk gal or guy, whoever happens to pick up the phone actually knows who to contact. So they'll, they'll just forward me onto the marketing person or, you know, sometimes I talk to the wealth advisor, don't get me wrong. They'll just forward me straight on. But um, yeah. So. Did, and know, what a, and what again. a wonderful thing to sell though, too. Yeah. Hey, I just want to oh, know if you guys want to send cookies to your clients. What a yeah, great call. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you know, we stumbled, well, I wouldn't say stumbled upon the industry, but my friend's dad, um, this was, February of 2021. So we had just launched from our house, right? And we're like, oh yeah, uh -huh. friends and family are going to come to our townhouse and buy cookies. Yeah. You know, after like a week, you're like, <laughs> okay, that was, that's not how that works. Right. Right. Right, um, right. I actually, we actually took our cookies over to my buddy's house. Him and his dad have a, a pretty prominent uh, wealth advisory firm here in the greater Portland area. And they're huge on touch points. I, I'm actually a client of theirs, but I didn't know about the whole touch point side of things. Like I always get cards or just, you know, kind of wealth advisory stuff. I take the cookies over there just for them to try. Cause Marie and I were all excited, my wife. And, um, I left them over there that night on Sunday and on Monday, my buddy emailed me. He's like, Hey, can you ship these cookies? And I was like, sure. Just cause you know, I'm a little confident in my warehouse logistics background. So we shipped him cookies. And then uh, the next day they got him. He's like, wow, they survived. And they're still in, they're not broken, X, Y, Z. He's like, we want to start using these for our client birthday gifts. So right there, you got introduced to like, I mean, they have like a, you know, I, I don't know the exact number, but 500 plus clients. So you have 500 plus client birthdays that you want us to help, you know, help make happen. You know, that, that introduced us to the B2B side of client gifting. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So you, I mean, again, you couldn't ask for a better situation. So that's just really been like the finance, financial services industry in general, just because of their yeah. client base and their touch point marketing. Um, it, it, it's been a, it's been a game changer for us. So yeah, we've been, rolling yeah, that is we've been working with them for two years now, almost two years, a year. And wow. And yeah, see, that's, so. that's the kind of stuff that you were talking about as like creativity as salespeople, like just go give a cookie. Like no one's going to say no to a cookie for the most part, like unless they're like super gluten or something like that, which is fine. But like for the most part, nobody's going to say no to a cookie. <laughs> and, uh, and you get this opportunity to just meet people and what a great icebreaker. Like I sent, like if I'm going to, um, really cold call a company and I don't have like a really way to like personalize the call. I'll just send them cookies. And you'd be like, Hey, I'm actually just following up on the cookies that I sent you. Just want to know if you got them. And then, the, and then that just says like, yeah, why did you send those? Oh, great. Let me actually tell you. <laughs> yeah. I wanted well, you to eat them, you, but also. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> you just brought up a really funny industry. So the tech world has their gifting platforms. Have you ever heard of like the B2B gifting platforms? Yeah, yeah I like, like, I guess, I guess maybe not. I didn't know that they were like a real platform. I mean, I've always sent gifts, but. <clears throat> yeah, there's, so there's platforms that link into like Salesforce or HubSpot, CRMs. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, so that's actually used like by a lot of technology companies for pre-cold call like marketing strategies is like sending gifts. Boom, boom. You know, they'll send out 400 dozen boxes of cookies to 400 potential clients. You know, they can track everything. They get received, you know, they receive the cookies or whatever they receive, and then they'll get hit up with a cold call. And it's like, they're like you just said, a great icebreaker. Like it's reciprocity. It's reciprocity at its finest. Like, hello, like I'm going to be more receptive to listen to anyone's cold call if they sent me something right. personally if i yeah. enjoyed it um <laughs> but yeah that's a really cool industry for sure so yeah yeah and i mean tight. there's just well I, and, and my my only point was just to validate your idea like it's just a great way to do it and and i'm glad that like this conversation happened because again it's just about people like don't understand like what sales really is at its core and that's just like being like, that's why my group is empathetic selling. Like, just give a shit about someone other than you. Like, people will ask me periodically, like, what, like, how do, how do you make a really good salesperson? And I'm like, if you give a shit about someone, like, truly give a shit about someone other than you, you'll be fine. Yeah. You'll, you'll sell as much as you need to. Well, I mean, the, and I they don't believe me. The, <laughs> I didn't know that was the name of your sales mastermind. Oh, but that's yeah. like a perfect summarization. Yeah. Like, that's my it's thought. Just like, Right. Make, it's just empathy. It's like, yeah. Understanding the problem, mm -hmm. understanding the problem, caring about them, hearing it, and then mm -hmm. seeing if your solution could be the right fit, not force yeah, like into your solution. Right. Like when you read some of like Patrick Lencioni's books on, on leadership and management, one of Patrick Lencioni's biggest phrases is about conflict um, and commitment. And he makes an interesting observation that a lot of salespeople, I, I tell a lot of salespeople, and that is people can commit. Like you can still have buy-in and disagreement. People don't have to agree with you to buy in and commit to a cause, which is a really interesting concept to like, uh, like that I didn't get until, but like, we don't have to like agree on everything in order for me to like, um, and I know that this is like almost a little counterintuitive to the whole empathy thing, but when you understand that like people, but the reason that people don't need, um, the, the reason that people can disagree and still buy in and commit to a decision is because they've felt heard when somebody's felt heard and seen, they'll do things, even though they're like, ah, you know, I wasn't really whatever, right? Like I'm still think I'm still leery, but you know what? In their head, they're like. He listened, he gets it. So why don't we just try it? And if it doesn't work, you know, and I'm not saying that that should be your goal in sales to be like the bare minimum, but the, but the principle is like people, when people feel seen and heard, they'll make decisions quicker. Yeah. I mean, that, that works perfect with just leadership in general. Like that's just my mantra with leadership. Like if I'm going to gather a team together and you have differing points of view. Like I want to hear all your opinions. We're going to make a decision on one, but it's important that everyone puts it out there, what they're thinking, because 
who knows, maybe a mixture of people's opinions can be the right idea versus just one person's, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's a million reasons why it's, it's amazing for people to collaborate, but at the end of the day, you make one decision and those people who disagreed with you don't necessarily will, will still give you full commitment. Um, and, and the same with customers, like you can still persuade and influence people even though we, the conversation started off rough or whatever. But, um, if you, if they feel seen and heard that they'll, they'll make a decision. Yeah. They'll make a decision a lot quicker. Right. And, uh, and, and again, again, just stuff that you have to experience, like you can write that in a book, but you don't, you know what I mean? Just like you, when you lead teams, it's like, you don't really understand what that looks like until you've been in that situation. Yeah. On both ends. Yeah. You like, don't, yeah. uh, well, <laughs> Well, you don't, uh, you don't even know what a business looks like until you get in it. Really? I mean, that's so true. you could write it. You could write a full, you know, uh, yeah. five year plan of what your business is going to look like. And then the moment you get into it, you're like, Whoa, <laughs> that took a left turn. Holy smokes. It's like, again, I think right. about, Oh yeah. Friends and family, you know, they're going to come to our townhouse. And immediately it was like, boom, you know, within a month we changed the whole direction of like what we wanted to do. So, right. Right. That was pretty interesting. It's always fun yeah. having like a little logistics hub out of your townhouse. So your whole entire <laughs> townhouse, you know, 1500 square feet turned in, into a cookie factory. So you got baking and then you got production and then you got packaging and then you got the whole, <laughs> the whole thing. So it's pretty, it was oh, a pretty man. fun ride. Oh, yeah, dude. I love that. Well, and you guys are crushing it. You guys are killing it. I love seeing you on LinkedIn. Yeah. Well, thank you. I um, you know, it's it's. I think, I think that's part of the entrepreneurial journey is thinking you're not doing enough, or could be doing more. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's where I find myself kind of in this like post-holiday yeah. rush. You, right. you get kind of like, wow, this is great. How is how can't this be every month? And then you like January rolls around. You're like, oh, okay, it's back to quiet. You gotta go. You know reflect on past quarters and you're like, wait, this is about the same as we were doing. So we're good. But yeah, 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 yeah. You got to deal with this peak. peak, You're like, yeah. Yeah. So it's cool. Yeah. But, but you know, what's beautiful there is like, it's the same, it's the, it's the reason like you, you know, the reason that people who spend time in corporate or like businesses longer, that's why they do better because I mean, yeah, it's tough to see the peaks and valleys. Right. But, but from your, from your, your main gig or whatever you want to call it, right. Your corporate gig now, like you've seen that even in your corporate gig, right. You're like, so you're kind of, you're kind of tempered in the sense that like, yep, we're going to have peaks. Eh, it's going to be kind of low, but you know what? We're here. And like, we're actually not doing that bad. And we, and it's easier to give yourself grace because you've actually seen real life and not Twitter business, <laughs> which is yeah. like, I just closed yeah. 80 hundred million clients today. <laughs> well, yeah. It's, um, <laughs> I, I remind myself every morning is like, get to the basics, right? Like what, what has gotten that. us to this point? It's like sales and marketing. I mean, like there's not, you can't sit there and wish you got to continue moving forward. And it's about building those systems in place. So when we need, you know, more marketing people or more, you know, whatever the case may be more fulfillment, it's, it's right there in line. You already have things laid out for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, you got it. Holy cow. Cool. I, oh, I love that, Grayson. And I appreciate, and this conversation flew by. I really enjoy these because it always feels like I, I 
uh, you know, never like we, you know, it feels like it, it, uh, could, could never end. And I love it. Um, before, before I let you go though, what's pro what's been like the biggest lesson that you've learned in this venture for you in Grove cookies? Consistency. I mean, Ooh. with everything. So you do, like I was just talking about just sales and marketing consistency, but fulfillment consistency, um, consistency and just, I mean, everything you do has to be consistent in business. There's no one wants an up or down product or up and down service. <laughs> like they want consistent all the way across. Um, and, and that's <laughs> yeah. what we're striving for, right? So um, that's been probably the biggest thing I've uh, learned in these last two years. So, yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, thanks for joining me, Grayson. It was a, it was a pleasure. Tell everybody where they can follow you. Uh, if there are business owners listening, how can they get a hold of Grove Cookie Company? Yeah. So you can visit our website, Grove Cookie Company. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, Grayson Hogard. I think I'm the only Grayson Hogard in LinkedIn. So um, you'll <laughs> okay. find me. Um, yeah, those are probably, yeah. Instagram Grove cookie company. Um, those are probably the three best ways to, uh, find me and my company. Wonderful, man. Well, thank you so much again. Yeah, I appreciate it, Dalton.